There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. Hello there. I'm Luke. This is my podcast for learners of English. This is your chance to get some regular English listening into your life and to learn vocabulary and get used to listening to English being spoken as it is really spoken by a person. In this case, that person is me. Uh, welcome. Welcome back to the show. This is episode number 757. And I'm currently sitting in the bedroom in our new flat. And just like I said in the last episode, uh, yes, things are still a little bit chaotic around here. That's what it's like when you move into a new apartment and you kind of um, pack your whole life into boxes, move everything somewhere else and put those boxes in. And then you have to unpack them and sort of arrange everything and organize your life again, completely reorganize everything. Um, I'm currently sitting in the bedroom um, in front of some cupboards with clothes in them. Um, my, uh, there's, my wife's clothes are, one, are on one side and my clothes are on the other side. Guess whose clothes are more organized? Guess whose clothes are arranged in a much neater fashion? That's right. Of course, it's my wife's clothes. She's got more. She's got more of them, like a lot more. She's got so many sweaters. They're nice sweaters, but she's got arguably too many. Although I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that to her face. I would actually, I would say that to her face, but then she would, I don't know what she would say. She wouldn't like it, but I think she might agree. But the thing is, when you've got loads of clothes and you know that you need to save space, you know, for example, if you're just kind of trying to clear out, clear things out, or you're trying to make space in your home, or you're moving to a new place, and you've got to economize on the space that you have, it is very difficult to get rid of certain things. Um, anyway, my wife's clothes are here looking very neat, nicely folded clothes all arranged. And then mine are just kind of like jammed into the sh into the shelves. Um, they're not that messy all right i don't want to give you the wrong impression i'm not a complete slob or anything they're quite neatly arranged but just not as neatly as my wife's stuff anyway a little window into the location for the recording of this episode uh, in the bedroom um, in front of the clothes this is just the kind of the quietest spot that i could find in the flat and i thought that i'd record here in order to try and get the best audio uh, that i could get um, I'm sure you appreciate it. Of course you do. You're all going, this is great, Luke. Thank you so much for for making effort, making so much effort to record in a uh, fairly quiet place. And thank you for telling us about your clothes and the way that they're arranged. These are the details we're looking for, Luke, when we listen to episodes of Luke's English Podcast. Obviously, we want to learn grammar, vocabulary and pronunciation and stuff. But really, what we really want to know 
is whose clothes are more organized and neat in your cupboards in your in your house <laughs> um so anyway welcome back to the show episode 757 the plan in this one is that i'm going to talk to you about how i'm setting up my new podcasting room is it an office is it a studio it's sort of both i'm calling it a podcasting room today so i'm going to talk to you about specifically how i'm setting up the room in terms of like you know all of the practical things like making shelves and painting and stuff like that so i'm going to talk to you about that and i'm going to teach you some vocabulary related to doing practical work with your hands at home all the vocab all the language related to doing all those little jobs that you might have to do at home i'll talk in more detail about that in a moment so that you will know what to expect but i've got a big vocabulary list and also i'd just like to sort of um, share with you the work I've been doing in the room in order to get it ready uh, to be the headquarters of Luke's English Podcast for the foreseeable future. Uh, but just before we start, I want to say hello properly. I, th- I think I've done that, but I'm going to do it again anyway. I'm going to say hello properly to everyone in Lepland and deal with a little bit of podcasting admin, right? So first of all, hello, hello, hello to you, especially you. Uh, I hope you're doing well. It's been over two weeks since I published the last episode because of the house move or flat move. Yes, I moved flat a few weeks ago. If you're wondering how that's going, I will talk about it a bit in this episode. But let's just say that the phrase my wife and I have been using over and over um, is, is this. We just keep saying, well, it's coming along. It's coming along. So it's coming along. This means that we are making progress bit by bit, slowly but surely. So that's the sort of thing when people say, how's the new flat? Is everything, you know, how's it going? Oh, it's coming along. Or if, for example, we empty some more boxes and gain some more space in the living room, we sort of turn to each other and say, well, it's coming along, isn't it? So it's certainly coming along. Uh, We're making steady uh, progress bit by bit, slowly but surely. We are unpacking our stuff from boxes, setting up the new place, getting things sorted out, such as an internet connection at home, which we still don't have. The people from Orange were supposed to come today, but just no. <laughs> um, they were supposed to be here between 10am and 12 And so I waited diligently. I thought I won't record in the morning because the guys from Orange are going to come to set up our internet and connect us. Uh, but no, just nothing. Okay, fine. So anyway, we're getting all these things sorted out. You know, getting the important appliances like a cooker, a washing machine. We have a we have a washing machine now. You'll be happy to know it doesn't actually fit into the cupboard that was built uh, for it because you know. <laughs> uh, okay, you know we uh, to in order to try and make the best use of the space. We asked the guys who did the building work in the flat to build us a little cupboard. It was like, this space here, that's going to be a cupboard. We had designs and everything. He said, that's the cupboard where the washing machine will go. And they're like, yeah, okay, fine. We'll build a cupboard. You know, and we said, it needs to be these dimensions. They're like, okay, fine. They built it. And of course, the, when the washing machine was finally delivered, it wouldn't fit because the door, the way that the door was fitted, uh, they inserted a bit of wood 
to fit the door and of course that would meant that you couldn't you know like the the space inside is big enough for a washing machine but you can't actually get a washing machine in there because of the piece of wood they ins- they fitted uh, for the door right so we had to get some we had to get them to come back uh use a saw you know, like cut out the the part of wood the piece of wood that fitted the door so now there's no door on the cupboard but we cut the bit of wood out unscrewed it then the washing machine would slide in it's very tight but it slides in and then we fitted the door again so the cupboard would close and of course when it, when it came time to actually use the washing machine you know when you uh, obviously got the door to the machine where you put the clothes and stuff that opened and closed fine but then there's a little tray at the top left corner which you have to slide open in order to put the soap and detergent and fabric softener or conditioner in you know that little tray of course the tray won't open because again that piece of wood that holds the door in place that's in the way and the hinge for the door stops the tray from opening so you can't open the tray so now we've got a washing machine but we had to remove the door in order to be able to actually use it you know that's the sort of stuff we're dealing with we have a cooker you'll be happy to know that we are able to actually make hot food i'm talking about it as if it's i mean you know it's fine everything's fine really we're lucky we've got our own place but you know it's just the frustrations of of modern life they're first world problems really you know, it's not that bad, but still, it's a bit frustrating, isn't it, when, you know, these things take a long time to, to, to be sorted out. Um, but things are getting slightly less chaotic every day. And I, I was ill for a week. Uh, it wasn't COVID. I had my tests and everything. It wasn't COVID. I just came down with something. That didn't help either. So anyway, they, these are the reasons why it's been a long time. But, you know, if you've been waiting patiently for a new episode, then thanks for waiting. If you've been waiting impatiently, then I'll, I'll still say thanks for waiting. Um, as you can tell, things are still up in the air, so I can't get back into the usual podcasting routine yet, which means there might be another delay after I publish this episode. Um, you know, uh, But when I have my new podcast room set up and I've done lots of other things that need doing, normal podcasting will resume. Okay, I don't know when. It might be another few weeks. Um, anyway, hopefully this slowdown in, you know, in my episode publishing routine, hopefully this slowdown has allowed a lot of you to catch up with me. Because normally when I upload, you know, one, two, three episodes, well, well normally when I uplo- upload at least one episode a week, sometimes two, I understand that some people are like, whoa, whoa, slow down, man. I can't catch up with you, man. I don't know why you speak like that, man. Hey, man, slow down. Why Why do you talk like that? I don't know, because you're so cool. But f- sort of like a cool person from maybe 15 years ago, man. Um, anyway, so, hello. I've just got three announcements and some bits of admin before we start properly. And then I will get into specifics. I'm going to talk about specific things about uh, DIY, right? Do it yourself, practical jobs that you do with your hands tools um equipment and verbs that we use to describe all those things so i'll be getting into that in a minute but first of all three items of admin okay forgive me but the you know when you're running a podcast you've got to you've got to sometimes make certain announcements and just keep the whole thing organized 
Um, and the best way to do that is to actually just tell you in episodes. So first thing, premium subscribers. Hello. Uh, I'm currently working when I can uh, on uh, P33 parts three and four, which are turning into quite substantial episodes. Uh, part three is all about word families, parts of speech and word stress patterns. That means how word stress patterns can change from the noun form of a, of a word to the adjective form, to the verb form, the adverb forms and so on. You know, word families, like, for example, the word families for politics would be politics, politician, that's the person, political is the adjective, politically so that's a word family. Politics, politician, political, politically. You can see that the word stress does change, right? Politics is the first stress, uh, first syllable, has the stress. Politics, right? That's the world of politics. Uh, but then the, a person, that the, the person noun, that's politician. So politician. So the word stress is now on the third syllable. And then uh, the adjective, political political the ad the word stress is on the second syllable political and then the adverb politically for example politically correct politically the stress is on the second syllable so politics politician political politically all right so that's a word family the different parts of speech and the the, the changing word stress pattern uh, another one economics Economist, economic and economically, um, architecture, architect, architectural and architecturally. Okay, so part three of Premium Series 33 is going to be all about these things, word families, parts of speech and stress patterns. Okay, so if, you know, if you want more of that kind of thing, that's what will be coming up in Premium 33, Part 3. And Part 4, as well, will be uh, pronunciation drills with full sentences, not just words on their own, but full sentences. So that's coming soon to Luke's English Podcast Premium. And if you'd like to sign up to Luke's English Podcast Premium to get all of those episodes, like all of them, uh, there's over a 100 of them, uh, you can go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info to get all of the info. Okay, that's that's as I think all the information you need about premium content you can find there. Teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. And if you, by the way, if you ever have problems with the registration process, if you've tried to sign up to LEP Premium and you've had a problem with the registration process, I've had a couple of emails about that recently. Um, I'll just one piece of advice. Try using different browsers. So, for example, if you're using Google Chrome and it doesn't work, there's an error. Or if you're using Safari and it's, there's an error, try using a different browser. You might want to try Firefox or even Microsoft Edge or one of the other ones. Okay, sometimes that that makes a difference. I'm not sure why. And also, I'd recommend not doing it on a mobile phone. For some reason, it seems to work better. Uh, on a on an actual computer. Anyway, Luke's English Podcast Premium, teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. New premium stuff coming soon. Just a he heads up there for the premium uh, listeners who are thinking, When's, when are you going to finish P33, Luke? What's going on? Well, there you go. I'm working on it. Um, second thing, Spotify listeners. Uh, Luke's English Podcast is available on Spotify. 
I just want to say hello to the Spotify Lepsters. The sp- spot it. Sp- no, I can't think of a good uh, nickname for you. Just call you the, the Spotify Lepsters. Recently, you might have noticed, recently, loads of my episodes disappeared on Spotify. And I don't know if you noticed that, but episodes 1 to 664, which is like most of my content, uh, they just disappeared. Well, they should be back now, or at least soon. Um, they disappeared because it was just an automatic update which changed some settings, but those settings have now been reset, so everything should be back to normal, the episodes should be available again, and you should be able to listen on Spotify as usual. In any case, you can always get all of the episodes in the Luke's English Podcast app, which you can download free from the App Store on your phone. So if you, you know if you're using Spotify and the episodes have disappeared, you're like, oh, what's going on? No, I can imagine you just in the street, you know, and you're like, wait a minute, what, what, what happened to the episode I was listening to? No, and then you drop to your knees and ah, like that, like in that film Platoon, but slightly less tragic, maybe. Um, then. You can always get all of the episodes with the Luke's English Podcast app, and you can just search the app store on your phone for the Luke's English Podcast app. And so you can get the entire episode archive, plus about 10 bonus episodes, which are only available in the app. Uh, You can get all of the mini phrasal verb episodes, uh, some music stuff, some videos, and also access to the premium content too, if you have a subscription. So, um, you know, that's that's always there you know if you if for example you're using apple podcasts and you realize wait a minute a lot of the episodes from the back catalog are missing why is that and then you and then you email me and i say well it's because apple of a limit to the number of episodes that will appear very boring just download the luke's english podcast app they're all there um and the third announcement announcement third bit of admin is opp uh, OPP, that means Other People's Podcasts. Um, every now and then I get invited onto Other People's Podcasts, and that did happen uh, in December a couple of times. So um, you can actually find those episodes and listen to them. Uh, so if you are looking for other things to listen to while you're waiting for new episodes of LEP at the moment, and if you just like to listen to stuff with me in it, um, which apparently you do because you're listening to this podcast. Anyway, if you want more stuff, um, if you want to hear my appearances on a couple of other podcasts, then you could check out uh, these things. So recently, several of my podcast friends reached milestone episodes, and they both chose to mark the occasion by inviting me as a guest, which was very flattering. Apparently, I am the pod father. That's what that's what Martin from Rock and Roll English is calling me. He calls me the Podfather, which is quite nice, isn't it? Um, so, first of all, Rock and Roll English, hosted by Martin Johnston. You might be aware of it. He reached episode 250 recently, and he invited me on to his podcast to have a chat about the ins and outs of making podcasts for learners of English. And it's a typically funny and unfiltered conversation. Uh, so you could check it out. That's episode 250 of Rock and Roll English. Rock, N, apostrophe, Roll, English. Episode 250. Um, and also, uh, Zdenek's English podcast, 
hosted by Zdenek Lukas from the Czech Republic. Um, uh, Zdenek reached 400 episodes recently, another big milestone. Um, and uh, Zdenek invited me as a guest, which was very nice of him. I mean, you know, it was nice to be brought in uh, to help him celebrate. Um, one of the reasons is because... Well, sort of in the in the early days, I think, you know, one of the reasons why he set up his podcast was because he was inspired to do it by listening to mine. So it's nice to know that you're in, you're an inspirational figure in some regard. Um, and so Zdenek invited me as a guest to help him celebrate episode 400. And uh, yeah, I love the way that Zdenek and Martin decided to pay their dues to the podfather. You know, they showed their respect to the podfather, didn't they? And uh, so I had I had an epic chat with Zdenek in episode 400 of Zdenek's English podcast. Uh, and we talked about loads of things, including how his podcast has been inspired by mine in some ways, and also how it's developed into its own thing, of course, uh, and about the development of him as a teacher and the way he's developed as a podcaster. I think it's a good conversation with some insights about various things including what it's like making podcast content and how confidence develops, how we can nurture and develop our own confidence about the creative process and generally just another inside look into podcasting for learners of English. So that's um, that's two episodes for you to check out if you want to. Uh, episode 250 of Rock and Roll English and episode 400 of Zdenex English Podcast, both available where you get your podcasts. You will find links on the page for this episode. Uh, and uh, there you are. All right, so let's get into the, let's get into the topic of this episode, uh, episode 757, setting up my new pod room, forward slash DIY, open brackets, do it yourself, closed brackets, vocabulary and expressions. That's actually the title of the episode seems to be quite convoluted, but hopefully it describes exactly what you're going to get. So this is an episode about DIY or do it yourself. Okay, do it yourself. Now that this is not an episode about how you can teach yourself English. Although I could talk about that a bit later in this episode, if there's time, there probably won't be time. It's not an episode about how you can do it yourself, how you can teach English to yourself. I've done, I have talked about that in the past. But no, DIY is a common expression in English um, and it means do it yourself. Okay, that's what DIY stands for, do it yourself. And it relates to doing practical work at home, especially in British English. Now, we say DIY in both British English and American English and uh, they mean mostly the same thing. Except in American English, DIY can, can mean anything really that you do yourself, like any kind of project that you have. And they might use it as a verb. I'm going to DIY this. I'm going to DIY, uh, I don't know what it would be. I'm going to DIY, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm um, maybe organizing a big birthday party for my children. I'm going to DIY this meaning I'm going to uh, create all the games myself, do all the decorations myself, organise the entire thing myself and not not employ anyone or pay anyone to do it for me. I'm going to DIY it, they might say in America. In the UK, DIY just relates to doing practical work at home. And it's a, it's a noun. So people talk about doing DIY in British English. We say things like, 
I'm going to do some DIY this weekend. I've been doing some DIY. I did a bit of DIY at the weekend. I'm no good at doing DIY. Uh, My husband does all the DIY in our house or my wife tends to handle all the DIY because I'm rubbish at it and so on and so forth. So DIY, do it yourself. This is all the practical work that you might have to do at home from time to time. Okay, so this means... um, um, the things we do in order to make improvements to our home. Home improvement. I'm talking about things like putting up shelves, painting and decorating, fixing things, and other similar work that you do to improve your own home without having to call someone in to do it for you, like a plumber or a carpenter, uh, a decorator or an electrician. You don't come... You don't call someone to do it. You do it yourself. DIY. So there we go. It's the sort of thing you might do at the weekend. Putting up shelves seems to be the most common example of DIY as far as I can tell. Putting up shelves. Shelves. I mean, I'm I'm sitting right in front of some shelves right now, as you heard me say earlier on. Shelves which have uh, some sweaters and shirts and other clothes neatly uh, folded and 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 uh like stacked on top of each other in my wife's case um shelves right so if you've got books i'm just making sure you know what shelves are some of you are going yeah we know what shelves are and other people are like what no what is shelves please please explain okay shelves if you've got some books in your home and you want to kind of put them on the wall or at least you want to store them in a nice way, you'd you'd need some shelves. Now, you can get shelves that are fitted to the wall, right? Shelves which are attached to the wall. Or maybe you might get um, uh, a set of shelves, which is a, you know, a set of shelves would be an item of furniture, which essentially sits on the floor. It might be quite tall. Um, Okay, and then you can kind of put your, you might buy it from Ikea or something, and you have to build it. And then it sits there and you put your books in there like a bookshelf, um, bookcase. Okay. Otherwise, shelves can be fitted on the wall. So shelves. Okay. This seems to be the most common example of DIY, putting up shelves. That thing, that job that seems so simple on paper, just put some bits of wood and make them attached to the wall and then put stuff on them. Seems so simple on paper. But in reality, this is the sort of thing that can bring a person to their knees. And I don't mean kneeling down in order to do some work. But I mean, it can bring you to your knees in the sense that you kneel down in a desperate plea to the gods, you know, like to the gods of like wood or whatever it is, the gods of DIY. You literally go down on your knees like, ah, please. You know, you beg for mercy because your attempt to put up the shelves is proving to be too difficult a task. And you're just like down on your knees. Please, God of DIY, please have mercy upon my soul. Um, What do you mean, Luke? Well, I mean, doing DIY, for example, putting up shelves can be a nightmare if you don't know what you're doing. I think we know what DIY is now, right? As I said, on paper, putting up shelves doesn't seem that bad. But to do it right, you have to do it properly, don't you? You have to read up on how to put up the shelves. You've got to do a bit of research, maybe watch some some YouTube tutorials of people who know what they're doing and who make it look easy. And then you plan a specific time to do it. You go to the hardware shop, 
the hardware shop or the DIY shop to get all the right materials and tools. You put on some old clothes, maybe prepare a special area of the home where you're going to do your work, maybe put down something on the floor, um, you know, so the, you know, this is the special area. If you're, you know, for me, it's like this is dad's DIY area, all right? And, you know, you make sure no pets or children go anywhere near it. And you might get the stepladder out. This is when you, you feel like you've become your dad in these situations. It's like when you get the stepladder out, you know, that's that metal ladder that, you that, you know, it's normally got paint on it. You know, why is that? Stepladders always get covered in paint. Well, I suppose it's because people use them when they're painting. But it's like, why, is, why does so much paint end up on the stepladder? I, I don't know. Anyway, but you feel like your dad. I am my dad now. You know, it's, it's Saturday afternoon and I've got a stepladder in my hands. I have become my dad. So this is what you do. You prepare the area. You get the stepladder out and you try and actually put some shelves on the wall or build something or paint something, or or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, and if you're not very good at it, if you're not a practical person, it can be stressful, and you end up making a total mess of it, and you hit your thumb with a hammer, ah, and then you start swearing, and maybe you break something, and you fall off the ladder, and you have an argument with your spouse or something, and then you just give up, and you go to the pub. <laughs> Well, it depends, doesn't it? It depends how handy you are, how practical you are. For many of you, this isn't a problem. You're probably thinking, putting up shelves, Luke, this is child's play. I don't know. Um, I'm making it sound like I had a really difficult time with it, but it was okay. I'm actually very, very pleased with the results of of what of the work I've done in the pod room. Anyway, it depends how handy you are. For many of you, this isn't a problem. And the idea of putting up shelves being difficult is laughable to you. Uh, but I don't know your life. But I do know that DIY is a very common thing in life. And surely this is something that unites all of us to some degree, either because we all have to do DIY sometimes, or at least we know someone who has to do DIY, or at least, you know, you, you, sometimes you watch someone do DIY, and it's just a thing that happens in our lives. But do you know all the English that you need to talk about DIY? Do you know all of the language? Do you know the words for the tools, the verbs to describe those actions? Do you know all the specific phrases for all of it? Well, that's what I'm dealing with here. So the reason I'm doing this episode right now might be obvious for those of you who are regular listeners. I've already said it. I've just moved into a new flat and also I'm setting up the new office slash studio space for myself. And this is involving a lot of this kind of work. So this is just what I'm thinking about. This is all that's in my head. Literally, I've been going to bed at night and just lying there and thinking about shelves and thinking, how am I going to put those shelves up? Um, waking up in the morning, like, good morning, darling, you know, kiss, kiss. And then in the back of my mind, though, it's like shelves. What about the, how are you going to do those shelves? Uh, this is what's been taking up most of my time at the moment, which is why the podcast has been delayed a bit recently. You've already said this. And when I'm not teaching English classes at the British Council or spending time with my lovely wife and daughter doing family things, I'm working on the flat and working on the office and trying to think about shelves. Uh, 
So what I'm going to do in this episode then is this. Luke, is this the introduction still? It's 30 minutes in. Okay, look, it's just the way I do things, all right? That's just the way things work here at Luke's English Podcast headquarters. This, the introduction was like the first two sentences, okay? That was the introduction. The rest of it has been the main content. Now, if I say what I'm going to do, it doesn't mean I'm still in the introduction. This is just like a, just a, another bit in the middle of the episode, right? So, no, the introduction is long gone. We're right into the meat of the episode now. And what, what I'm going to do in, in, in a later stage in a few minutes is this. I'm going to describe exactly what I've been doing in the office and talk about how I'm trying to set it up as a good base for my podcast work. And I'm going to describe the DIY I've been doing. Now, um, this is not, you know, not just because I think you might be interested to to actually find out what I'm doing. So you get an idea of what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, that might be interesting. But also because I want to present language to you and I want you to try and notice the specific words and phrases and ways in which I'm describing uh, these spe- specific actions i'm i've been doing uh, in the office when you know when building some shelves for example just so that you know and notice how we talk about these things in english this is very difficult stuff right this is when english is tricky talking about very specific movements and very specific words and things you know so watch out for all the language and then secondly i will like focus more specifically on vocab this isn't a premium episode but I will be going into some vocab. Um, I've got a list of uh, various words and phrases for talking about the fascinating subject of DIY. So the pod room, let me let me tell you about that then. And this is where you can, you can try and notice bits of language. So let me tell you about the podcast room. So yes, uh, um, hmm, where shall I start? So as well as buying this new flat that we are trying to sort out, uh, we also managed to find a dedicated space for me to use as a recording space and an office to work in. Okay, now in Paris, right, in Paris, you've got these old buildings, you know, these very attractive looking housemanian buildings, uh, typical Parisian buildings, right, where there's they're quite high, there's normally six, maybe seven floors, and they, they look beautiful on the outside and they're often they're, they're from the sort of 19th century, something like that. And um, they, have a, they have flats inside them. You know, the buildings, are, the spaces are divided up into individual flats of different sizes. Now, often at the top of these buildings, you have what in French are called chambre de bonne. Chambre de bonne. Oh, this is where I speak French and immediately become self-conscious if I don't say things perfectly. Chambre de bonne. Okay, now these are little rooms that traditionally were used by the staff. That's the people who worked in the buildings. Um, like, you know, we're talking like, you know, decades and decades and decades ago when it was quite normal for families living in in apartments in the city to have staff that would work for them, cleaners, um, you know, cooks and, and, and other staff. And the staff in, in Downton Abbey... Right, that TV show, Downton Abbey, which is set in England um, at the turn of the um, century, sort of the ni- you know, around 1900 or around the time of the Titanic and the First World War. In Downton Abbey, uh, the staff 
all the servants and stuff they live uh downstairs in the basement and the 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 rich uh aristocratic family live upstairs um but in in paris the staff would live on the top floor and often so you find at the very top of these buildings small rooms that would have been living quarters for the staff so these are little rooms sometimes they're box rooms like very small spaces really sometimes just big enough to have uh, a, a bed and maybe a sink and a, and a and a desk you know very small spaces uh bedrooms essentially uh sometimes they're under the roof and the roof might slope down um you see and some of these rooms have uh um access to water so there might be a little tap and a sink or maybe a shower maybe a little kitchenette area so you know normally they are very small rooms now uh, if the room is more than nine meters squared then it's possible to actually rent legally you can rent those uh, rooms out as studio apartments like one bedroom apartments Um, so if you're looking to buy one of these rooms then that nine meters squared um space is important because if if the room is nine meters squared or higher then the price is going to be much much higher because people are interested in buying those rooms in order to rent them to people like they rent them to students or or whatever so they can become buy to to let uh, opportunities but below nine meters squared because you can't rent that space out to to a tenant uh, the prices are lower and so you know, when when considering what I was going to do about having a place to do my podcast, because the flat that we've bought is it, there isn't a, a place for me to do podcast stuff. There's nowhere that I could use as an office, and I don't want to just sit on the sofa. You know, it's just not right at this stage. I need my own room f- for doing this. I can't just sit here in front of a cupboard every time. It's not feasible. So uh, we thought, well, what can we do? So. Uh, one of these chambre de bonne became a good idea. It's like, maybe we can find a good little room. And we searched around and eventually we found something. And so it's it's about five metres squared. It's on the top floor of a building, not far from where uh, we live. And it's it's great. I mean, it's amazing. We found it. We made an offer. We bought it. Um, so it's ours. It belongs to us. Um I mean, hopefully I'm not oversharing here. I don't want to feel like I'm sharing too much information about my personal life. I I don't want to do that. But I do want to give you enough information to kind of give you the context you need to to be able to follow this and to to be able to sort of see it from my point of view. So I'll tell you a few things. I think it's not that – I think it's nothing too bad about telling you these details. So it's a five-meter-squared room. It's kind of square, which which is good. It's a good size because, you know, I'm going to be using it for not just sitting at a desk and working uh, and not just for recording audio, but uh, I will be recording video in there as well. And so a square room is quite good because it means that, um, you know, it could look reasonably good on video. Um, and uh, there's a window, which is always nice, isn't it? It's nice to have a window. Uh, but the window also... Windows are good when you're doing video because they provide natural light and natural light is normally a a good source of light for for doing video. Lighting is very important. You've got to get the lighting right. And the window is in a good position. It means I can put the desk in front of the window. 
Um, I mean, the, the the door will be directly behind me, which might not look amazing, but I don't really care. Um, so there you go. So it's kind of like a, a square room. It's got a, a, a window with, with that gets good natural light. And uh, square is good because it, it means you've got slightly more things you can do with it. If the room was a weird shape, it would be difficult. You know, that would limit the possibilities. But having a square room is quite convenient. And uh, on one of the walls, there are two alcoves. Two alcoves. So alcoves are basically spaces that sort of go in a little bit. I don't know if that makes sense. Let's put it this way. On one of the walls, there is a... There, where There would be a fireplace, right? And then a chimney going up. But there is no fireplace, I expect the apartments below have got fireplaces there. So I've just got sort of like the chimney part, which means that the wall comes out a little bit. It's maybe about a metre wide uh, where it comes out. And on either side of that, there are uh, spaces that go in a little bit, maybe 23 centimetres deep alcoves. All right. Now, these are perfect places to put shelves in. So instantly, when I first saw it, I thought these alcoves are perfect for bookshelves. So, uh, so what I want to do with it is is have a, a desk in front of the window, and then on, on the right, uh, put bookshelves where those alcoves are, and then I can just sort out the rest of the room as I see fit. I'd need to give it a new coat of paint to just just sort of freshen it up, clean it up a bit. Um, I'll be uh, putting pictures on the walls, you know, to decorate. And I've got quite a lot of guitars and I don't have space for them in the flat, maybe one or two, but the others are going to have to be hung on the walls of my office slash studio uh, pod room space. So the main thing really was to put the shelves in and then find a way to get a desk. And I wanted to fit the desk to the wall. That means attach it to the wall, not just put it on legs like a table, but actually have it attached to the wall to make it extra secure. Because if you've seen videos that I recorded in my previous setup, I was on a very wobbly table and the table would wobble and shake. And that means that the camera shakes on top of my laptop and then everything's very wobbly and shaky, which is just not good at all. So I wanted a solid desk fitted to the wall. And I thought, great. I'll have a, I'll fit my desk to the wall. That'll be good. I'll buy like a wooden desktop and I'll fit it to the wall. And then in those alcoves, I'll get shelves fitted. There'll be nice solid shelves and I'll make the best use of the space. So that's what I was planning to do. But one problem, the wall, one of the walls leans slightly. It leans. That means it's not perfectly vertical. It's at a slight angle. So that the top of the wall is in by maybe about oh how many centimeters maybe five to ten centimeters there's five to ten centimeters of difference between where the wall is at the top and where the wall is at the bottom so it leans in by a a very small angle you don't notice it at first but when i inspected it i noticed ah the oh okay so this wall actually leans in it doesn't lean in so much that you're going to bang your head on it or anything it just leans in a little bit and that made everything incredibly difficult this is the wall i wanted to fit the desk onto but i couldn't i can't fit the desk onto that wall because if i do then the desk will lean as well okay now some of you who are practical are thinking well look there's a way of there's ways of dealing with this well I, i'm not 
good enough. I'm not practical enough to be able to deal with all those things. So that was a problem. And it was also a problem for fitting shelves. I realized I couldn't fit shelves in that alcove because of the way that the wall leaned. I know this is fascinating stuff, isn't it? (laughs) Um, So what in the end, in fact, it was Kate Billington who suggested that I use a certain type of shelf fitting. So um, shout out to Kate Billington, who's been a guest on this podcast twice. But I was talking to her at work and probably boring her to death with <laughs> with my stuff about shelves. And she said to me, why don't you just do it like this? And she showed me this system where you get these rails and you attach the rails to one wall and then you can get these little brackets that clip into the rails and then you sit the shelves on top of those brackets. So there's no need to fit the shelves on the walls on the side. You just fit the rails to the back wall, and then you kind of clip the shelves into those rails. And it was like, oh, Kate, you just... Like, Kate just seems to breeze through her life. Everything's like, oh, no problem. I could do this, and I'll do it really well. Um, whereas I'm there like agonizing about how I'm going to solve problems all the time. Anyway, so that's what I did. So I went down to the local hardware store after like thinking about it and planning it, uh, over and over again and measuring it. I went down the local hardware store, which in France is called Leroy Merlin. What a fantastic name. Leroy Merlin. Leroy Merlin, who sounds like a character from a Harry Potter story. I think. But that's the name of the shop, Leroy Merlin. What a magical place it is where you can buy all the things you need for the DIY that you need to do at home. And I bought these rails, 150 centimetres high, uh, four of them, so I could put a set of rails in one alcove and a set of rails in the other alcove. Okay, and then I bought the little brackets that clip into the rails. These are metal brackets that provide um, sort of... um, provide things for the shelves to sit upon so i've got the brackets and then i and i thought right well i'm going to get some shelves cut because they do that at leroy merlin he's he's useful he's very helpful as is leroy leroy merlin he's helpful they they will actually cut bits of wood to your specifications for a reasonable price um anyway so i after i got the brackets and stuff i had you know went took them upstairs uh, the office, by the way, completely full of stuff, of course, because having to move out, I moved all my podcasting stuff and there was quite a lot, all the books and all that stuff is all in there. So I had to like shift everything over, make some space and then mark out with a pencil and a, and a tape measure and a, a spirit level. I had to mark out specific lines and dots where I was going to fit these uh these rails these long metal pieces um with holes in them where you can then clip the brackets in i had to work out very carefully exactly where the uh where the rails would be fitted so that involved measuring with a tape measure making sure all my measurements were perfect and correct getting them just right so that the rails would be in exactly the right position and then using a pencil to uh, mark lines on the wall, you know, and using a spirit level, which is one of those things that helps you to keep things straight. It's, they, it's like a kind of a ruler with like these, um, like these yellow bits 
with bubbles inside them and you you put them on a surface and you light you, the idea is the bubbles move into the middle between these two lines and when the bubble is in the middle you know it's flat so you know doing all that stuff trying to get them all lined up using the pencil marking the the points where i'd have to drill holes and then doing that you know uh, feeling very practical doing it very carefully and then with my electric uh, cordless drill finding the right drill bit working out the depth of the holes that i would need to make i also had to choose the right uh, wall plugs or roll plugs as they're called these little plastic things that you push into the holes before you put the screws in how how fascinating is this you think uh, i'm thinking and you're all going it's very fascinating absolutely fascinating luke please continue okay so uh made the holes in the walls with the drill which was difficult because the holes uh the walls were made of like stone it's masonry which means it's i don't know all sorts of different colors of dust came out some of it white some of it red some of it gray some of it a kind of pale color some black dust came out so all these different types of rock and stone that i was drilling into you know you have to test the wall in advance to make sure that you're not going to drill into an electrical cable or something but i was certain that there was no electrical there were no electrical cables in the wall it was an old stone wall with no electrical fittings all around it at all so i was quite confident spent a good like couple of hours drilling holes in of course the battery on the drill kept running out so i was sort of like juggling batteries also no um no electrical supply in the room there's still no electricity in the room so i had to like go outside into the corridor and by the way the way it works with these with these rooms and the top of these parisian buildings is that um often often there's no toilet right because it's too you know you don't have a toilet there's no toilet in that room i don't own a toilet so instead you have like these shared toilets and if you're lucky shared bathrooms or at least little rooms with sinks in them and running water so there's a there's a shared toilet but luckily almost there's the entire floor where my room is it looks like all of the other rooms are being used for storage there aren't many people actually living up there which is again another great thing because it's going to be quiet and i'm not going to disturb people too much i hope with my inane ramblings um so uh also in the in the corridor there is an electrical plug so i had to like search through the corridor sneaking around trying to find a plug i found one and that's where i plugged the battery charger for the electric cordless drill and so every time the battery ran out so i had two i've got two batteries one of them charges while i'm using the other one and then that one that one drains very quickly because it's not a very good drill and then i can switch it with the other battery so i kept having to go outside and switch the battery and the batteries were both getting lower and lower in the end i managed to do all the, the holes you'll be glad to know and i put all the plugs in and yeah fitted these rails to the wall and amazingly enough they ended up straight they were all four rails were perfectly straight uh amazing i was so i was so pleased pleased and proud yeah maybe i need to make a new word ploused i was just ploused or preased i don't know i was pleased and proud uh, of my of my work 
and then you know clip the clips in and then another day i mean this is taking uh, this is over the course of many days of course because i've only got usually like two or three hours at a time to do these things between the rest of normal life you know getting in the way um getting in the way of my shelves um so and then i went back to leroy merlin with my very detailed specifications i'd measured exactly how how uh how long and wide and deep and everything the shelves needed to be so i came in with my specifications went down to the desk managed to explain it in french hello i'd like uh you know six shelves like this six shelves of this side and one shelf of that size please uh made of mdf mdf i don't actually know what mdf stands for it's just a generic uh acronym mdf but mdf is a kind of um a cheaper and maybe more versatile alternative to wood. Typically, the wood that you would work with would be pine um, or maybe oak. Oak is lovely, quite heavy, quite solid, quite straight. Uh, pine is a bit lighter. It's a lighter color, probably a bit cheaper. Normally, those are the types of wood you end up working with, but they can be quite expensive. So I went with MDF, which is a sort of... Um, kind of like a, a synthetic wood i mean it's made of fibers wooden fibers which are then sort of pressed together to create these um these planks and they're very easy to cut and very easy to work with so i you know making shelves with mdf is quite simple so i got my mdf shelves cut had to like transport them back home and everything and i took them upstairs and the moment of truth is like will these mdf shelves actually fit into the brackets that i've installed and amazingly enough they fit and they fit perfectly i was stunned i couldn't believe it i thought how have, how is this possible how have i not whacked my thumb with a hammer or or broken something or just got this horribly wrong it it all worked amazingly well so at the end of whichever day it was, I had uh, these brown MDF shelves sitting on my um, my brackets on their rails, looking looking fantastic. And then I had to paint them, of course. Ah, so to cut a long story short, the MDF shelves needed to... I wanted to paint them white so they'd fit in with the rest of the room. But you can't just paint them white. No, you've got to paint them... I had to paint them about four, maybe five times before they actually started to look good. And I asked my uncle, my uncle Nick, who is a carpenter and a decorator, and he's been doing that for many years, and he's brilliant. So he gave me some good advice. And I was like, um, so Nick, how do, I, uh, how do I paint MDF shelves? Any tips? And he said, well, you're going to use, um, you're gonna need to use an acrylic, uh, you're going to need to use an acrylic water-based primer uh, to, to give an undercoat to the shelves. And then you sand them and then you paint them with any sort of, you know, emulsion, any kind of satin or matte uh, paint will do. And I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> so after I'd understood what he meant, I then had to buy, you know, there's different types of paint. So I painted them with the primer, which is the undercoat, the first coat of paint that you need. Uh, and then once they dried, you, I had to use sandpaper to sand them down because the first coat causes the fibers of the mdf to kind of stick up because the mdf absorbs the paint and the fibers kind of stick up so then you sand it down you kind of sand all of the the rough edges and rough surface off 
and they end up with this kind of pale sanded white color and then you have to add lots of other covers uh, other coats of paint to that so after about four or five other coats of paint so after like days and days of like okay that's finished and plus no electricity in the room so by about four or five p.m it's almost dark in the room because it's the middle of winter so i had to stop you know uh, anyway this is really fascinating stuff, Luke, you're thinking. Thank you so much for telling us about it in so much detail. You're welcome, of course. So anyway, the shelves are up and they actually work and they're painted and they're done. And I managed to, then I had to transport all the boxes with the books in them and put the books on the shelves and that's done. But it's it's amazingly satisfying. I was like, wow, I feel like a, I feel like a real man. Not that, it, not that you have to be a man to do that, but I felt like I feel like a human. And, and actually an accomplished person who's actually capable of doing something other than just talking nonsense into a microphone. So I felt very um, satisfied with my work uh, and it looks good. Next, though, the desk. Well, I can't fit the desk to the wall because of the sloping wall, as I said before. It's just too much for me. I could ask someone to come in and do it for me, but they would charge me lots of money, which I can't really afford to pay at the moment. Plus, I think I can do it myself. So in the end, I'm going to I'm going to go back to Leroy Merlin. Leroy is going to help me and I'm going to get um, a wooden desktop cut to the size I want. And I'm going to fit some legs. You can just screw the legs in. You like get these legs and they've got holes on the top and you can you can sort of screw them directly into the wooden top. I hope that's going to work. And then you can get these desks where you can sort of twist the legs and they extend or retract. So I'm going to get the legs and twist them so that they're all at the right size, like right height. And then Bob's your uncle. I'll have a desk. Oh, but it's not as simple as that. You know, I'm going to need to get an electrical supply into the room. So I'm going to need to contact the electricity company and ask them to connect it with a fuse board. And there are going to have to be plug sockets fitted at certain locations in the room. And, um, right. And then I need it to be actually fully connected to the national grid. So I've got electricity. Uh, I think the room might need to be earthed right? Because whenever you've got electrical stuff, you need an earth connection. The, the room needs to be connected to the earth so that if there's, I don't know, what, a short circuit or something, that the electricity can actually escape and go down to the earth. So there needs to be some earth connection. Um, and uh, and then, of course, I've got to get the internet connected. And that if that's probably going to involve Orange or one of the other uh, telecommunications companies. And we already know, don't we, how reliable they are um so anyway there's a, there's a lot to lot of stuff to be done but the shelves are up and a lot of my stuff is installed it's going to be a very cozy little room and i cannot wait to be in there i don't need a large room i don't you might be thinking five meters squared luke that's too small for you it's too too small for you in your big head <laughs> um it's not it's fine it's absolutely fine. All I need is four walls, a desk, you know, and just the space I need. I don't need more than that. That's fine. In fact, that's perfect. It's, you know, it's big enough for me to be able to have a guest or maybe two in there and all my stuff. And I'll be finding places to put the guitars on the wall and other bits and pieces. I should arrange it nicely. Um, so, yes, you'll probably be able to see it in a video when it's ready. So there you go. Um, 
that's that's the story of what I'm doing with my pod room. Okay, all right. I'm sure you pre- appreciated that. You can let me know <laughs> how much you appreciated me describing all that for you. How long have I been talking? Ah, oh, only fifty-eight minutes. Um, all right, then let's let's look at some vocab, shall we? Okay. Right, let's do that. So I'm going to fly through this vocab list here. You'll see the list on the page for the episode on my website, episode 575. You'll see the list there. So you can actually see these words, look at how they're spelled and work with them, you know, in whatever way you choose. Uh, But as I said, I'm going to fly through these. This isn't a premium episode, so I'm not going into all the full detail. I'm just going to say things about these words and phrases uh, to help you understand them. Um, and I do recommend that you visit the page to look at them as well. You know, there you go. So putting up shelves, we'll start with that. Some words associated with putting up shelves. So first of all, you've got measuring, you've got to measure, you've got to measure things. You've got to measure distances, right? Using a tape measure. Uh, a tape measure. This is that thing that uh, you can pull pull out the, the the measuring tape and then there's a button on it and ching it kind of slides back in it's like the closest thing that i have to a lightsaber from star wars you pull the tape measure out you measure something and then it kind of you press a button and it all slides back inside and for a moment i feel a bit like luke skywalker unless it slides in and goes and then whacks me on the hand ow fuck, ow Maybe I don't feel like Luke Skywalker then. So anyway, a tape measure to measure things. How many centimetres? You use it to measure the length or depth or width or height of what you're working with or the distance from one point to another point. So that's your tape measure. You might need a spirit level. As I said, that's the thing with the bubbles in it. And it helps you to check that things are level, either horizontally or vertically. Right, so that you you know you need your shelves to be level. You don't want them to be wonky, right? Because if they're wonky, stuff's going to fall off, and they're just going to look terrible. So you need everything to be level. So that's why you you need a spirit level. Um, you're going to need a pencil, aren't you? A pencil to mark lines on the wall, or to mark crosses or spots. And then, of course, if you want to look like a real DIY expert, you can put the pencil behind your ear, right? <laughs> Just put the pencil behind your ear and you really feel serious. Um, You will need a drill uh, to drill holes into things. In my case, I was drilling holes in the wall. So that's a drill. You need a drill to do that. And I mean, an electric drill. I mean, while I I was doing the work, I was thinking, how did people do this before electricity, before electric drills? They had those like mechanical drills where they had to turn the things with their arm. God, life must have been so hard back in the old days when everyone's using like these mechanical instruments and things. Uh, Anyway, a drill to drill holes into things or a cordless drill, uh, which has a battery or a battery pack which you need to charge uh, regularly. They have to be charged in order for you to use them. So you use a drill to drill holes into things. And uh, on the end of the drill, what do you have? What, what do you put in the end of the drill? The thing that actually makes the hole in the wall. Well, we call it a drill bit, the drill bit. So you need like a selection of drill bits, 
And these are different bits for different size holes and different bits for different types of material. So you've got drill bits for masonry, drill bits for wood, drill bits for metal. They have slightly different designs made of slightly different materials. So you need a drill. You need drill bits to insert in the drill. Um, and then, of course, those different types of material. Masonry. Masonry basically means stone and brick. I was drilling into masonry, which is why all the, the dust of different colours was coming out of, because it was like stone or brick or... On the surface of walls, actually, normally there is plaster. So you've got plaster. In fact, it normally goes paint, then plaster, then masonry, right, if it's a wall. Maybe you might get a wooden board or something. It depends on what the wall is made from. There might be boards of wood. Uh, but I was drilling into masonry walls. Um, it's a good idea to wear a mask, of course, when you're doing this. Not because not because you can get COVID from the from the wall, uh, but because um, sometimes the paint, if it's old paint, it might have lead in it. Lead is a is a metal which is poisonous. Uh, so some of the old paints contain lead. So it's a good idea to wear a mask so that the dust from the paint as you're drilling into it doesn't you know you don't breathe that dust in because it can be quite toxic so you should wear a mask to cover your face when you're doing this you're supposed to wear goggles as well aren't you you know they you're always told to wear goggles protective goggles to protect your eyes in case something flies out and you know gets you in the eye i i wasn't wearing goggles <gasps> i know i know how stupid of me how cavalier how reckless not to be wearing goggles, but I wasn't. Uh, but, you know, don't do what I do, kids. Wear goggles, all right, when you're doing drilling. So, anyway, um, you've got the paint. You drill through the paint, and then you drill through plaster. Plaster is that stuff that is sort of smeared or covered on the wall um, during the decorating process. And it just covers the wall with a nice smooth surface, which then can be painted. So that's plaster. And you drill through the plaster. That's easy to drill through. It just comes out as a dust, really. And then you get through the plaster into the, the masonry. And that's when you have to start pushing and, and your drill starts to complain. And the battery runs out quite quickly. Uh, like that. Okay. Masonry. You've also got wood panels like MDF or chipboard, which is uh, another kind of wood panel that's made from other bits of wood glued together. Um, and then you, you have just normal wood, as I said, like pine um, and uh, oak uh, and so on. Um, uh, once you've drilled your hole in the wall, you need a wall plug. Uh, there's actually several names for these. They're called wall plugs or roll plugs. I don't know if you can hear the difference. Wall plugs and roll plugs. So wall plugs, the first one is spelled W-A-L-L plugs, which is, which is clear, plugs that go in the wall. And roll plugs starts with an R. That's R-A-W-L, roll plugs. And yeah, in the UK, we call them roll plugs. I mean, I think that's a brand name, or originally was a brand name. But uh, wall plugs or roll plugs with an R. And these are those plastic things that actually go into the hole. Funny looking things. They've got spikes on them or whatever. And you push them into the hole. And they're essential 
because they hold the screws in place. When you screw the screws into the holes, they need to go into the roll plug, which sits in the hole. And the roll plug sort of, basically, it it keeps the screws in place and it prevents damage to the walls. And you, you push the roll plug into the hole. And when you screw in the screw, the plug expands inside the hole and it kind of grips the inside of the hole preventing the screw from falling out so they ensure a tight and secure fit for screws in material which is brittle meaning which can break easily like a biscuit is brittle or material which is porous porous meaning it has little air holes in it so you know you can't really screw a metal screw directly into the wall because the wall will will crumble and the screw will come out so you put the roll plug in and it expands into the hole and creates a much secure, much more secure and safe uh, fitting. Okay, so wall plugs or roll plugs, then your screws, which you screw into the wall, and screws have a thread, right? A thread which allows the screw to go in if you turn it. So they've got a thread. And uh, the head of the screw will have either a line or a cross. Um, okay, uh, the cross ones, I think, are probably better. And as you screw it in, you've got to, you've got to, push quite hard to make sure that you don't like damage the screw because that's terrible isn't it when you turn the screwdriver and it twists in and it damages the head of the screw and then suddenly you you can't it's completely useless you've completely ruined it so you've got to make sure you push quite hard when you're screwing in so that you don't damage the end of the screw um and things of that nature so there's screws uh nails you might be using nails these are just metal pins essentially and you hammer them into the wall bam 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 normally when you're doing woodwork you can attach bits of wood together by uh, by using nails and you just hammer the nails into the wood uh, to attach things you will need a screwdriver Uh, The screwdriver is the tool that you have in your hand when you screw the screws in or when you unscrew them. And you've got flathead screwdrivers uh, and you've got Phillips screwdrivers. Phillips screwdrivers are the ones with the cross on the front, which which you can then use to screw in your screw, right? Screwdriver, uh, an electric screwdriver would be useful or a power screwdriver, as it's called. This is obviously an electrical one, which is a convenient way to screw screws into the wall so that you're not, you're not having to, you know, turn your wrist. I've got a blister on my hand. Uh, it's from screwing screws into the wall, I promise. It's only from that. But I've got a, a blister on my hand. But if I'd been using a power screwdriver or an electric one, I wouldn't have that blister. It's all right. It's It's fine. I saved some money, but I got a blister. Um, uh, A hammer. You might need a hammer, which is the thing that you use to, you know, bash the nails into a wall. Bang, 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 bang. It's got a wooden handle with a metal head. Bang, 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 a hammer. Uh, You might need a mallet or a rubber mallet. A mallet is like a hammer, but it's got a bigger head. The head might be made of wood. Or if it's a rubber mallet, the head would be made of a hard kind of rubber. And this is so you can hammer other things without causing too much damage, you know. So if you need to hammer uh, a raw plug into the wall, uh, it it might be a better idea to use a a rubber mallet so that you don't bash a big hole in the wall. If you're using a metal hammer with a small head, you can, you know, really damage the wall. So using a rubber mallet 
is sometimes a, a better way of doing it. So that's a mallet. Um, what else? Um, pliers. Pliers. P-L-I-E-R-S. Pliers are things that you hold in your hand. They're, um, hmm, they're a bit like scissors. But obviously scissors are designed to cut paper or fabric. Pliers instead have like teeth on the end and you hold them in your hand and you hold, you squeeze the handles together in order to grip things very tightly or to hold things very tightly. For example, if you are using a nut and a bolt, if you're screwing a, uh, a bolt into a nut, you might use pliers to hold that nut very tightly and then to, you know, turn the bolt you know, if you're if you're trying to uh, change the height of your saddle on your bicycle, you might need a spanner to turn the bolt and maybe a pair of pliers to hold the uh, the nut in place. So a pair of pliers. Also, if you need to pull something out of the wall, for example, if you've realised that you've inserted the wrong raw plug into a hole and like, oh God, and you can't pull it out with your fingers. So you need to grab it with a pair of pliers and wrench it out. Uh, hopefully you don't pull a huge hole in the wall out with you. Um, a saw. A saw would be to saw wood. <laughs> right? A saw. You got It's quite difficult to do, use a saw. You've got to get those good... You, you know, you've got to get into a rhythm with the strokes. Because otherwise, <laughs> the saw gets stuck. And then... <laughs> you have to pull it out. Ugh. And then you try again. The saw got stuck again. So, you know, there's a certain amount of skill involved in this as you saw through a piece of wood. Try not to saw saw through your leg while you're doing it. Try not to saw any of your fingers off. You've got to be very careful. Maybe use gloves or something. I don't know. As you cut your piece of wood with a saw, there are different types of saw. You know, you've got like hand saws, hack saws and stuff like that. That's a saw. They have teeth on the end of them. Helps you to cut wood or cut pipes or whatever. Um, Sandpaper. Sandpaper. We use this to sand things. So sandpaper is paper with a very rough surface on it. And we use sandpaper to, to make things smooth. To make wood smooth, for example, or to to remove rough edges from often it's from wood, uh, or maybe if you've if you've put some filler in a hole, if you've filled a hole with some putty or filler, which gets really solid when it's dry, you you use sandpaper to just um, sand it down and make it smooth before you paint it or something. So use sandpaper to to uh, take off the rough edges of wood. Uh, and then you you know you clean it and then you can paint it right um a plane that's not an aeroplane it's like what do you need a plane for (laughs) what are you doing darling i'm just putting up some shelves what with a plane no you'd need a plane a plane is a thing that you can use to cut uh cut layers of wood for example if your shelves are slightly too wide you might need a plane to just cut off a few millimeters of wood and it's a it's a thing that you you sit it on the wood and there's a blade underneath and you slide the blade over the top of the wood and it shaves off sections of the wood like that's a that's a plane 
not an aeroplane, but it is spelt the same way, a plane. Um, and then a, a file, a bit like a nail file that you might use to, you know, file your nails to make the nails smooth. You can have larger ones that you use to file wood. For example, if you've got a door in your house that doesn't close very well, like the door catches on the door frame, maybe it's because the door has expanded or changed shape or maybe it's just the wrong size. And so you need to just remove a few millimetres of the wood from a certain place. You might need a, a file. So it's a large sort of strip of metal with a very rough surface and you <laughs> you file off a few millimetres of wood and there's it, you, you get sawdust, like wood dust all over the floor, which you've got to clean up, obviously. So that's a that's a file, uh, okay. Rags, rags. These are bits of cloth, maybe old t-shirts or old clothes or whatever that you don't use anymore, and you can use these rags to just wipe things or clean things or remove dust from things. Rags. Uh, you might need a dustpan and brush. A dustpan, um, a dustpan and brush. So if you, know, you can use a vacuum cleaner. But otherwise, you can have a dustpan and brush. That's where you have a dustpan. It's like a little tray with a handle on it. And the brush, well, it's a brush. And with what you hold the brush in one hand and the dustpan in the other. You put the dustpan on the ground. You make sure it's all flat so there's no gap under the dustpan. And you sweep the dust or the wood shavings or um, whatever it is. And you sweep it up and you sweep it into the dustpan. And then you throw it um, in the in the bin. You don't throw it out the window. That's antisocial. You throw it into the bin. No, don't throw the dustpan into the bin. No. No, you're going to need to use that again. What are you doing? No, no, don't don't throw the dustpan and the brush in the bin. No, no, no. When I said throw it in the bin, I just meant throw the dust in the bin. Don't throw the don't throw the dustpan in the bin. Yes. Okay. So that's yeah, yeah, you'll need to use it again. Right. So that's a dustpan and brush. Um and a, a multi-tool might be useful a multi-tool um, a multi-tool this is one of those things it's like a swiss army knife but it's kind of like got all these different tools in one tool and you can open it out and it's a knife and you put the knife back in and open another bit out it's a little saw and you can close it and then you turn it around and open the sides out and oh it's a pair of pliers and it's a wire cutter as well and there's a screwdriver on it as well and oh look an allen key an Allen key. That's the thing that you would use. You know, when you're assembling IKEA furniture, there's always a little Allen key, which is like in an L shape. And it's got a sort of hexagonal end. And, you know, you can use an Allen key to fit certain fittings. So a multi-tool, which is a convenient thing to help you do lots of things, including cut your own arm off if it gets trapped under a rock in the desert, like in that film, 127 Hours. You know the one? I did a podcast episode about it many years ago. 127 hours about a guy who goes mountain biking. Famous story. They made that film about it, right? Um, What's it called? (laughs) 127 hours. That's right. I just said it. He goes mountain biking in the desert and he has an accident. He falls into a hole, falls into a little crack in the ground. Well, quite a big crack. A rock falls on top of him and it lands on his hand. And it traps his hand against the wall of this um, sort of um, canyon. And he can't escape. There's no way he can get out. His hand is completely trapped under this rock. 
and crushed. And he's there for days. And in the end, he realizes the only way he's going to survive, no one's going to find him. The only way he can survive is if he cuts his own arm off. And luckily for him, he had a multi-tool in his pocket or in his bag. And he used the multi-tool to cut his own arm off. Oh, my God. And he actually did it. He left his hand in the canyon and uh, scrambled out and walked for miles before he managed to find some people who rescued him. What an incredible thing to have to do. Um, Amazing story. Um, I can't remember which episode of the podcast it is that, that was about that. Um, it's not, it's not episode 127. I don't remember. Anyway, check it out in the archive. Just type in 127 hours. Um, and I did some idioms about hands, right? Cause we have lots of idioms in English that have the word hand in it. Um, so that's a multi-tool at the end. Let me move on now to talk about the fascinating subject of painting. So painting vocab, right? So first of all, obviously you've got paint, which is that stuff that we use to cover surfaces, to coat surfaces, to add colour, to make things look nice. I painted my uh, pod room white, just simple white colour, because it's bright and it makes places feel a bit more spacious. So everything's painted white. And uh, we we put layers of paint or coat uh, or coats, layers of paint or coats of paint. Here are the different layers that you might put. So you might use a primer at the beginning. So the primer might be the first layer of paint that you add. And a primer would be to prepare the wood by covering maybe some dark patches uh, or dark colours. And a primer uh, prevents things from from leaking through. Like for some, some wood has um knots in it knots these are like those darker patches and those knots often contain oil and sometimes if you don't seal those knots with a primer the oil can leak through and then those knots in the wood end up sort of appearing underneath the paint and it looks a bit ugly so you've got to prime the wood cover it properly with a primer um to prevent those bits of oil leaking through and to cover up those darker patches of color and um, often you paint wood with a primer and then when it's dry you can kind of sand it down a bit to create a a nice smooth surface and then you can start painting other coats of paint on top of it Um, uh, you might have a sealer which is another uh, undercoat Uh, sealer uh, this seals the wood normally kind of makes it watertight so if you're, for example, using wood in an area where you're going to have water, like if you're using wood in the kitchen or something, you might want to paint it with a sealer to make the wood watertight so that water doesn't get through the top layer of coat and, and then into the into the wood, like causing it to rot or, or something. So you might want to use a sealer to seal the wood before you uh, put uh, uh, top coats um, uh, of paint on top. Um generally those these first layers of paint we call them undercoat uh okay it just helps to prepare the uh the the wood and then you add the top coat uh which is the 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 coat of paint which looks nice and in terms of top coat you can have like different levels of shininess or what's called sheen okay in in paint they talk about sheen and sheen is kind of like um how reflective paint is 
So going from not very reflective or low levels of sheen to higher levels of sheen, we have matte paint, that's M-A-T-T. So matte paint provides a kind of a flat surface when it's dry. Uh, there's low levels of sheen, so it, it doesn't shine very much, doesn't reflect light. It's not very reflective. Uh, matte paint is usually harder to wash for some reason, and it can it can reveal marks and scuffs. For example, if you rub against it, it might leave a mark on matte paint because it's it's not very glossy, and so it leaves marks. You know, marks are left on it much more easily. You know, stuff doesn't slide off the surface of it. So that's matte paint. Um, doesn't shine very much. Then the next level above that would be eggshell eggshell which is like the shell of an egg right eggshell or satin paint and these types of paint basically have a higher level of sheen than matte so they're a little bit more reflective but not that much just a bit more and because they've got that higher level of sheen s-h-e-e-n not shine i would say shine is normally something shines when light comes out of it like uh, the sun shines but sheen for me is about how light reflects off something so eggshell or satin paint has a higher level of sheen than matte which means it's easier to clean than matte it's a bit more durable than matte so it 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 tends to last a bit longer and then above that you've got gloss gloss paint g-l-o-s-s gloss paint is highly reflective you can almost see your reflection in it sometimes uh, if it's very glossy it's got a very high level of sheen and it's sometimes used in kitchens because it can be wiped clean with a cloth and so it's a bit more hygienic. I used just simple matte white emulsion in my office which means that it is easy to mark the the, the walls. Matte emulsion is just very easy paint to deal with. It's really no trouble at all. It's very simple. It doesn't show up the brush strokes, for example. Like a gloss paint, you've got to be a bit more careful about how you how you apply the paint to the wall because those strokes will show up. It'll be more obvious. But with matte paint, the strokes don't really show up and it's very easy to use, but it does get marked. So, you know, I, I put my... After I'd painted the wall and it was dry, I put my stepladder against it and then I, I moved it slightly and, of course, two big lines on the wall... Uh, which was a bit annoying, but it's okay because it's it's white emulsion. You just paint some more on, and and it's fine. Uh, there's oil-based paint and water-based paint. Uh, water-based paint. All I know is that water pa- water-based paint is easier because it washes off with water, whereas oil-based paint is probably a higher quality of paint or something. But um, it's just much more difficult to deal with it if it if you get it on your hands or your clothes or somewhere else water-based paint for me please um, because I'm only a beginner and um, obviously with painting you need a brush that you use to apply paint to things Uh, you might use a roller which is like yeah a roller a thing that rolls it's like a sort of lung tube with with um, spongy fabric on it and you dip the roller in the paint and then you roll it up and down the wall like that and it applies a an even layer of paint to the wall and it's very convenient and easy to use rolling the paint it's very satisfying rolling paint uh, on a wall with a roller uh, it's quite convenient for large surfaces surfaces um, paint comes in in tins or tubs so if it's metal it would be a a tin of paint or a can of paint 
If it's plastic, you might call it a tub of paint. These are the containers that paint comes in. Um, I mentioned before uh, masking tape. Did I mention it before? If I didn't, I'm mentioning it now. So masking tape, this is that kind of tape that's made of a sort of papery substance. It's usually a yellowy colour, sort of pale, uh, kind of pale yellow colour. And it's tape that you can use to cover and protect um, parts which you don't want to paint. Like, for example, the edge. If you're painting the wall up to a certain edge, you cover that edge with masking tape. For example, if it's the skirting board at the bottom of the wall, the little board of wood that you get at the bottom of the wall, that's the skirting board. If you want to cover that so you don't get paint on it, you cover it with masking tape. Then you paint the wall up to the edge of the masking tape. And then when it's all dry, you can conveniently remove the tape. And the tape normally can be removed. It doesn't stick too much. Um, And masking tape's easy. You can tear it and rip it easily. That's masking tape. Um, you, you know, you put it on the glass of, of windows when you're painting the window frames so that the paint doesn't go on the glass and then you, you peel off the masking tape afterwards and it normally doesn't leave a mark. So that's masking tape. And then, you know, you've got other stuff like plastic sheets, which you put on the floor to cover and protect the floor from drops of paint. Um, and that is, that's it, basically. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. So... It's ta- oh my god, it's taken me about an hour and a half to talk about this. And that's just to talk about it. It's taken me a lot longer to actually do it. Um, when I finally get, you know, um, when I get to the stage where I can start doing videos in my room again, then I will show you the room. And you'll probably think, uh, uh, it's all right. <laughs> you might be completely underwhelmed by it after all of this effort and all, the, all this time I've spent describing it. Um, but there you go. So as I said before, go to the page for this episode on my website. You can see all of those words and phrases written there. And if you're, you know, if you're serious about learning English, then you'll check those things out because, um, who knows when you're going to need to put up some shelves in English, you know, it could happen. And, uh, will you be ready when it does happen, you'll think, oh, my God, I've got to put up some shelves. I need, I need, get me a spirit level and a tape measure and a screwdriver and some roll plugs. You'll be armed with all the language you need because you listen to this episode of the podcast. Thank you for your attention. Those of you who are still listening, keep in touch, right? Let me know how this was for you. And um, I don't know, I feel, I feel obliged now as a sort of thing at the end what did I do with my phone? I don't know what I've done with it. I feel like I should say, can you tell me, like, if you listened all the way to the end, you've got to use the code word. The code word is what? Oh my God. Rolling, rolling, rolling thunder, rolling thunder. That's that. Yeah. Rolling. That's the code word. Rolling thunder. Okay. So I don't know how you're going to do that. (laughs) I don't know how you're going to use that code word. This is a terrible idea, Luke. Why did you choose to say that? No one's going to be able to use the word rolling thunder in in this episode. I don't know. Maybe you can say, Luke, the sound, the sound of you uh, rolling uh, paint on the wall at the end of the episode. It sounded amazing. It was like rolling thunder. There you go. If you've listened to the end of the episode, mention something about rolling thunder at the end. Uh, in order to show me that you did get this far. I wonder if anyone actually did, or if it's just skeletons 
with headphones on at this point after an hour and a half of this. I don't know. Thanks so much for listening, folks. Okay, folks. That's F-O-L-K-S. Folks. It means people. Some people, I've noticed from comments, seem to think I'm saying fucks, like I'm calling you fucks. Thanks. Hi, fucks. Thanks for listening, fucks. Like, why would I call you fucks? Hey, fucks. Thanks for listening, you stupid fucks. No, I'm not calling you fucks. I'm calling you folks. F-O-L-K-S. Folks. Thanks for listening, folks. And don't forget to be excellent to each other. Keep calm and carry on. And I will speak to you on the podcast soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.